welcome to It's a Vive. It's a podcast series produced by Talent International and centered around no bullshit conversations with business leaders and innovators. And really what we're looking to do is dig into all facets of company culture. I'm your host, I'm Ian Tyler, and I'm Talent International's Group Chief Strategy Officer. So why are we doing this? Well, at Talent, our vision is empowering people to build a better world of work for all. So we're keen to leverage our reach and help educate businesses, both big and small, on how they can do this by hearing from leaders around the world um, who are specialists in their fields. Um, and we want to unpack some of these broad ranging topics, specifically around culture. So what, we, what we'd what we really like to get out of this is our listeners uh, to apply some of these insights gleaned through these discussions. We want to share learnings from experts in employee engagement, communication, uh, DE&I, and a whole lot more. So today, I'm really excited to be joined by Jennifer Mumford from Zip for this episode, which is focused on a discussion around innovation, kind of why bother. So just a bit of background about Jen. So Jen is the Chief of Staff to the Chief Human Resource Officer at Zipco. And Zip is a $4 billion high-growth ASX-listed uh, fintech and had significant success um, and Jen's role is now leading the people and culture teams across the US and also Zip's new emerging markets across Canada, Mexico, the UK and the UAE. And prior to this, Jen was built, um, was um, in the organisation. It was also growing and scaling and led to core foundational elements of people and culture for Data Republic, as well as safety culture. Um, so I think it's a uh, an interesting discussion to have a dis uh, to have a conversation with Jennifer specifically around, you know, innovation. Why bother? So, Jen, um, lovely to kind of be talking to you about this today, and um, welcome. Thanks for having me. In there could be no other topic that I'd prefer to talk about on our Tuesday morning. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, um, a, a, little, a little birdie tells me that um, whilst we're all enduring this hopefully last phase of lockdown, your lockdown journey has been somewhat interesting um, in light of the fact that there is an imminent move um, for you within the Zip business. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so start of this year or some, somewhere around March, April timeframe, I took on um, a role leading our people and culture teams in US and new markets, remote lockdown in Australia and so that's been certainly a new experience working somewhat US hours lockdown here in Sydney and yes yeah, especially moving to the US New York where our um, US teams based teams growing from around 60 to 250 in about nine months wow. so very very keen to get there and um, two weeks time and uh, flights booked I'm going to be on the ground finally having got there but definitely been some life admin and weird hours worked along the way yeah, I can well imagine. And if you think about that transition in the time that we're all in, I mean, one, that's exciting, but two, not for the faint-hearted either. So as you say, yeah. life admin skills being scrubbed up there significantly. Yeah, I can it's well true. imagine. I like to keep the body, like to keep the body guessing for sure. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, we, we, so I, I wouldn't mind starting there, actually, just thinking about that because you know, when you think about company culture and you think about a culture of innovation, um, there is potentially a school of thought and a mindset out there, certainly for many people in different parts of businesses that kind of don't lean into the concept of innovation because they kind of sense and feel that it's maybe somebody else's job. 
Um, and maybe it comes from the boardroom to the shop floor, however that mindset might be. Um, but just by virtue of what you're doing and the journey that you're about to embark upon, um, I think highlights really what is a culture of innovation at Zip. Do you want to just talk to us a little bit about how it is that you moving from Sydney, Australia, going all the way over to the Big Apple um, to kind of help, I guess, disseminate um, the mantra of, of Zip's culture internationally? Yeah, so it's a really good, it's a really good point. It was very intentional. And our chief people and culture officer, Anna Vivafarovic, is very much an innovator at heart and, and has that DNA um, built into everything that she does. How I like to think about, one, I hate the word innovation just generally. I think you're either um, innovative or not. And the moment you start kind of thinking about how can we be more innovative, it kind of um, suggests that you're not. But to me, innovation is around not acknowledging barriers. And so certainly in this instance, location's not a barrier. Um, the tradition's not a barrier. I don't have any, I've worked um, for a Kansas City US team, but very different um, to New York. I don't have heaps of experience in that space, but um, it was the right person to help transfer our culture. I have the ambition and the drive and are excited about it and a true Zipster um, and know our culture and be part of that scaling journey. And mm. so it was, it was a very much easy and quick decision that was made by both the business, um, Anna mm -hmm. and myself, I think within a couple of weeks, to be honest, it wasn't something that took a long period of time. It was it was just right, and that's how we kind of rock and roll here at Zip. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess it's given your background as well, working with some fairly impressive startups that become scale-ups that become, in some way, certainly in the business community, somewhat household names. So when you think about how um, these type of companies scale and, and essentially the whole startup in inverted commas um, boom over the last few years has really kind of catapulted um, opportunity um, for people all over the world and, and, and kind of catapulted these businesses from an idea and a concept to scaling internationally. And, and, and when you do that, the definition of culture gets stretched and therefore you get these micro cultures that start to get created. And to be able to impart what has been like the, the, the mothership and really disseminate that message internationally it must be an exciting prospect. Um, but I'm curious, um, what is it within startups and scale-ups more, I guess, more, more generally that you, you would say that innovation just seems to be at its core? Is it because they're just unshackled from traditional business constructs? Potentially, there's, there's kind of a couple of different ingredients that I always like to think about it. And um, first one's people. So there's a certain type of people or person and leader that you employ. They have a, a different kind of mindset, comfort with ambiguity. The way that they solve problems is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. The system in which people operate. So this is how do you make decisions? Is it a lean hierarchy? Is there a comfort with um, failure and things like that? And that's often the hardest one um, to try and drive is, as you get bigger yeah. and scale it. And then probably the the less um, kind of obvious one is it's often when you start with a customer problem and then work backwards from there. I find that's when your true innovation, in inverted commas, because I have to use the word, um, comes from when you're actually not thinking about what have I done in the past or this is how I've done it before and I'm just going to bring and lift and shift this. If you start with a customer problem, work backwards from there, often that's where the magic happens and a lot of it 
um, isn't this big blue sky innovation. It's those one percenters every day that actually make um, their lives that much better and, and your product that much more valuable. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I mean, let, let, let's, over the course of this discussion, um, do our absolute best to avoid the word innovation. Um, and let, let, <laughs> let, let's, let's play that game because um, that will be uh, quite a challenge for us, certainly for me. Yeah, good luck. Um, Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, let, let, let's see if we can be a little bit more creative. Um, I, I, I really am fascinated by this concept because there's, when you think about customer problems and you think about, um, you know, there, there was a, a saying, I can't remember who coined it, unfortunately, that it was innovation is really just doing new things, finding new ways to do old things or solve old problems, um, which you know, if you think about the business that you're in now with Zip, that certainly is one of those, but it was also a particular um, gap in the market, if you will, or a, a customer need that created the business that in turn um, creates an organization to, to, to grow internationally. And you touched on something there before about leadership and leaders allowing people to kind of foster that mindset i think so the word that we're not going to use in inverted commas um, of innovation is 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 about mindset it's about um being allowed um to fail or being allowed to give something a go or being allowed to take a risk on something is that something that you've seen not just at zip but in other businesses that you've worked in that have been these fast scaling um tech enabled businesses yeah, so a big part is driven by founders in your kind of um, startup and scale up business. And I love that founder entrepreneurial mindset because mm. often they inherently have to have that um, ability to not acknowledge barriers along the way to have actually got mm. to the point of creating a new business. And so mm. that factor then flows throughout the business just in the way that they reward and recognize and incentivize and act themselves. And um, mm. certainly Safety Cultures founder, Luke had that, Larry Diamond and Peter Gray at Zip also have that. But then that attracts a certain type of person um, as well and your early kind of founding team, um, they really set the tone yeah. culturally um, going forward. And if I think about, particularly with Safety Culture, a lot of the hires, we were very intentional around hiring people that did have experience in similar, highly ambiguous startup scale up and tech spaces because that really does help and build and then shape the culture as well. Mm. So you touched on around incentivizing. So, um, you know, does that 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 culture of um, startup and, you know, innovation, is, is that something that you see is not only encouraged, but actually incentivized as part of the business construct? Um, there is that space and that opportunity for people to go out and um, create um, and there's an incentive for them to do that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of a bit less explicit about it. It's more in the context of I would then take that investment in, hire people who have done it before, who are going to then lead the way and set the tone, um, invest that time in breaking down bad ways of work or dumb things that we do. And then particularly your multiplier people in the business, so your product and edge folk, um, there might be some rock star recruiters, product marketing team members, give them equity so that they've actually got skin in the game and want mm. to think a little bit differently about solving problems. But mm. to your point around that um, kind of space to do things, it actually then, if I was to incentivize something, 
I'd incentivize people to invest time in the ecosystem because so many of the best ideas actually come from the tech community or what others are doing and sharing ideas or crowdsourcing ideas. And so often when you're stuck in the BAU um, and the monotony of the everyday, you're not creating that space um, to bounce ideas and, and, and kind of get in touch with what some of the cool things other people are doing as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely spot on. Do you, do you I'm, I'm curious, so in your experience as well, that space, that collaboration component, do you um, or have you seen before where businesses are more open to collaborating with, with other teams from other companies about solving problems or do you, th- do you find that certainly in the, in the startup community, in that tech startup community, it's more insular um, or, you know, as businesses get bigger, they tend to go outside and work with additional partners and maybe even buy in. Um, that kind of innovation style of thinking. So I'm curious as to, to what you've seen. Yeah, so one of my favourite things, I started my career at Deloitte in their management consulting practice and the whole um, premises of Deloitte is that your IP is sacred and you can't share what you're doing with competitors because that's what people buy. And what mm. I loved about and love about the um, tech startup community, not just in Australia but globally, is this whole concept of open sourcing and sharing knowledge very freely to benefit from each other. And the Australian tech startup community has been amazing. Um, from that perspective, I have invested a lot in that and get a heap out of it as well. But I find that um, if only big companies, and particularly in the people space, which is often confidential, if, if we all open source what we do, we'd be a much better um, community. People would be doing much better work and we'd probably be solving much bigger and better problems. And so I've loved mm. that openness of the tech community. A lot of the time you're not direct com- you're competitors for talent, but they're in very different problem spaces and then yeah. have that ability to kind of learn from each other and the companies that are ahead of you in terms of the, that scaling journey as well. Mm. Yeah, well, and, and that's interesting because yes, it starts with people. Yes, it starts with technology and the idea and so on, which I, I totally agree with. And we've touched on kind of mindset um, and space and creation of founders. And um, when you think about that in terms of um, the application of that in the workplace, certainly from a, from a, a pure people um, perspective, um, that trust-based approach to um, have ideas exchanged and collaborate, um, do, you, do, you, do you find that um, given your consulting days with Deloitte and then in this kind of startup space that um, the idea exchange in a, in a startup environment is a lot more free flowing and more fluid versus the more traditional construct. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I definitely, um, I guess I have a great funny example where the Deloitte consulting exec actually came to safety culture to understand more around the DNA and the ways of work and how they're attracting top talent and things like that. And so I definitely think the um, corporate world is kind of catching on and realizing that there's some magic going on and, and there's some more kind of deliberate and intentional forums they're creating to share information, but it's not in the flow of work. So for example, if my team was to design anything, we're revamping our global onboarding at the moment. Step one is who within our networks, both tech and not tech, can we reach out to, to, share ideas with, get um, feedback from, and um, pressure test some of the things they're looking to do as well. We do that internally and externally. That's step one. 
It's not mm. an after fact. It's not something three years later down the track. That's just how we build. It's like a product team. Who are our customers? Let's listen to them. Who are some of the best? Let's get some ideas, pressure test it, ship something, and then get feedback on it and iterate from there. Mm. But that's that's just how we operate. And that doesn't, just because we're not a tech team, doesn't mean we don't operate that way. The whole, um, everyone at Zip has that kind of customer philosophy. Yeah. We've still yeah, got ways to go, but that's just how we operate, whereas big companies don't have the luxury to do that or aren't structured that way. That's right. And there's a fear of change in all of that as well. It's like, well, we're not a startup or a scallop, so we probably shouldn't or can't do it that way because that's just not how we do things, that kind of fear yeah. of change. Yeah. Even though the inquisitiveness is there um, and the curiosity is there to go and have a look, the, the application of leaning into those types of um, new ways of working or new ways of collaborating just aren't broadly accepted as being adopted, being able to be adopted into those types of businesses, which I think is comes back to that mindset piece um, and also the will and desire to actually want to do something different and, and, and change. Um, I want to ask you something. I mean, we're all the last 18 months of everybody's life, um, the vast majority of everybody's life have been obviously significantly impacted uh, with COVID and, you know, how we're having this conversation today. We're in the comfort of our own home. Um, and when you think about innovation, and I'm not talking here about, you know, digi drinks on a Zoom call at four o'clock <laughs> and hampers being sent out, um, you know, because that is um, heads and hearts, you know, engaging people and, and, and trying to have a bit of fun with things. When I think about the kind of environment that everybody's in and you think about um, the flexible workforces and you think about innovation being able to thrive um, in the context of everybody being somewhat physically disconnected, what, what, what's your view on what the world is like right now with that and then, you know, your crystal ball and hypothesis for how collaboration innovation and creativity will be able to kind of continue to grow and scale in light of what we've just all been through yeah so there's, there's kind of two parts to that question that i'll address separately first one is people keep on talking about this future of work future of work mm. oh it has all these fancy things Whatever. we're in the, the no. damn future of what we're living in <laughs> and so and um, there's a couple of key things that we're seeing at zip that actually breaks down quite nicely into three C's. There's a big part on careers. And so what does internal mobility look like? How are you creating those opportunities internally? This whole concept of the great resignation and attrition and all this piece, people are going to look for their next role. Why not make it in your own company? And you don't have to be a big company just to enable that. Mm -hmm. uh, next one's around um, care and how you're actually looking after your people. Satya Nadella came out last week and couldn't have put it better myself and care is the new currency. And so it's this concept of how we actually like wellness to me, we, we've seen with our people is now a big part of the total compensation package. And so that's super important and um, to be top of mind. And it's not just giving someone um, like a Buddha bowl or things like that or yoga sessions. It's, well, how do we have mental health conversations? How do we really show up and support people? You don't have to have the answers, but how do you equip your leaders to have those conversations in the flow of work? And then this connected piece is, is the last one. Um, which you kind of touched on as well, which is around, well, there's a new wave of leadership, your leadership of old where um, you kind of have comfort in your teams delivering because you can see what they're doing and the hours that they work and, mm. and that kind of piece. And these are the rituals and we're all there in the same room. Like that's never going to be the future anymore if you're working in a, a company where people are doing their best work. 
And so we have to be a little bit more intentional about it. Zip's built new leadership principles um, in the um, in the um, stage of growth that we're in, but also in the market and environment in which we're operating in. And that to itself then answers the second part of the question, well, how do we actually um, innovate in this new, well, this, this future of work that we're living now? And it comes down to those three, three things again. Have you got the right people and leaders? Are people comfortable working flexibly? Flexible work might actually give you better access to talent based on location or people that don't live in cities. Um, so that's one that could work in your favor. The big, big one is around your systems and the environment in which you operate in. So um, can we still make decisions effectively if we're not in the same room or if we're flexible? Um, is there that trust? Is there that safety around um, failing and there being no consequence? Or are people micromanagers and that trust dissipates when you're not face to face? And then um, your last one around your customers. And this is the one that I'm actually quite most interested in. Has access to customers changed working flexibly or being remote? Because in the past, we used to do a lot of um, like customer firesides or get customers in the office or customer meetings, even in your sales teams and things like that. And a lot of that now is virtual. Does that mean better access? Does that mean less access? And that's the real one that I'm keen to see um, play out. I think we spend a lot of time talking about people and leadership and ways of work during this new remote or flexible work, but we don't think a lot about the customer um, um, impact. And so um, that's probably the one I'm most curious about, but you just really have to be more intentional and deliberate in everything you do in this um, highly kind of flexible and hybrid world. Mm. In um in a, another uh, podcast that I create um, that I recorded um, a while ago, I was having a discussion around um, communication um, and how you know people want to consume communication and that kind of always on notion. Um, and just listening to to what you were talking about there just made me think about that you know the three C's um, that you spoke to and that connection piece and. Um, then thinking about that in the context of what you said about the customer, access to customer, access and how we communicate to customers now. Um, with everything that we've all been through, pretty much every customer I've spoken to has seen the inside of my lounge room, my study, <laughs> they've met my dog, um, yeah. they've seen my wife or my, my daughter or, or, or whatever it might be and they've occasionally met the postman who's come knocking on the door as well. Um, so... What, what, I, what I find interesting about this whole scenario and um, the, the, the access to customer piece is because it's been such a wonderful leveler, everybody's in the same kind of boat. Or as I was corrected when I said this to somebody before, they said, everybody's living this slightly differently. So maybe we're all in the same ocean, but not necessarily mm. in the same boat because this is, you know, some people have really thrived throughout this and other people have struggled. So, um you know, it has been a wonderful leveler um, because mm. there isn't any anybody that hasn't been impacted uh, through this. But I find that the access to customer piece for me has actually been easier mm. um, because for me, the conversations have been so much more cut to the chase. Um, mm. it's uh, the, the preamble and the get to know you, you straight away, you're in an environment which is your home or their home. And that kind of breaking down a barrier or a facade or a wrapper of a relationship that you're going to forge happens a lot quicker is what I've found mm. in my own experience. What do you say to that? Yeah, I love that. It's the, the humanizing factor. It's the 
like true vulnerability than when you've got a child screaming in the background or your partner's blow drying their hair or um, you've got to go and get there. You're living in a God knows how many apartment level building like myself and the doorbell rings and the Post person won't come back <laughs> if you don't go and get it. And so you can be mid-interview and have to pause and run down and get yeah. it. There is a real um, humanizing factor. And so how then do we take the best parts of it um, and then couple that with the best parts of connection when you are actually face-to-face and instead of it being we're all just hanging around the office working, it might be that when you are there together, it's so intentional that we're spending real quality time um, together and I'm excited excited to see what that looks like and I have no doubt it'll be kind of a moving um, beast that we continue to kind of work on and, and um, amend along the way. I actually think that um, the word that we're trying desperately to avoid, um, I, I actually <laughs> think that we'll see an unprecedented um, level of new ways of doing things because people have been given mm. the ability, the authority, the empowerment, the time and the space to actually give it a go. Um, I think yeah. there was a there was a beautiful um, um, written um, article that I read in the Harvard Business Review some time ago, which was um, innovation at its core is the willingness to experiment but be highly disciplined. Um, mm. You know, so I really like the notion of that. And I think that because this scenario that we've all been in, that, that the, the, the 3C model that you talk about, um, and be disciplined, be really, really um, generous with your time, but be really mm. specifically generous with your time. So as you can be disciplined, so as productivity can increase and output can increase and all these things. Again, I, I find this whole notion quite, quite an interesting world to explore. Yeah, the thing that I'm most excited to see is that often the best ideas come from pain or situations where you're kind of in a hard situation and it's the only way out. And I think that there's mm. a huge kind of shadow part of the impact of the pandemic that um, or hidden component that we haven't seen. And a lot of people that are probably in um, in strife and struggling or stood down or in different work arrangements. And from there, like after um, the Great Depression and the mm. um, financial crisis and things like that, often that's when some of the best ideas actually come from. And, and Zip's story is actually off the back of um, the GFC, where both our two founders um, were either impacted in their roles or weren't happy um, in what they were doing. I thought there must be a better way. And that's where mm. the whole concept around Zip money, Zip pay, and then now what a, a global 10 region, almost a thousand person company um, is, is thriving from, which is pretty cool. It's very cool. Um, it's very cool. And, you know, it's, uh, it's an amazing story um, to see, you know, every day, every week, every month unfolding as well. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, I think it's very exciting. Um, I, I want to kind of ask a question here. Um, and this is, this is for me personally, but also for, um, for the listeners of this, which is, it's a, it's a very deliberate question, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's more, more about, do you, do you feel that um, there is a specific and deliberate way that anybody who's listening to this, uh, th th this podcast could actually sit there as a, a team leader, um, a manager, a, an individual contributor could say, through listening to this, I've got some takeaways. Those takeaways on how we can fundamentally start to grow and implement or foster 
the culture of innovation or something that encourages us to think different, do different, be different. Are there some deliberate and specific actions that you think people within these uh, businesses that are listening to this um, could actually apply? So, well, apart from who one, work out who your customers are. So if you're in an internal role, that doesn't mean you don't have customers. It's your internal customers, our employees and my customers at BIP. But one, understand who your customers are. If you're not, if you haven't spoken to your customers or not speaking to your customers every week, start doing that and you'll be surprised at what you hear. My favorite question is magic wand. What's one thing that you'd fix? That's always a good starting point. That's one. And second one would be, I like to call it a wall of pain or dumb things that we do or things like that. Do a session with your team. What are some of the things that you that make you so mad or so angry or um, that really upset you or annoy you every day? Let's word vomit them out and let's come up with ideas on how to fix them. Let's prioritize them. Maybe pick like one or one as a team every week or every other week to start cracking on with. But it's always those little one percenters or like what's that one percenter that we're doing this week or thinking about the little things that you can do that then over time actually build up to much more incremental um, um, bodies of change. Third one and final one, or I won't ramble, um, but it would be who are you speaking with outside of your company to get good ideas or what are you listening to? It's that concept of investing in the ecosystem. And so who are you reaching out to? When I first joined Safety Culture, I wasn't a career HR person. And so I went on a mission and I said every other week I was going to meet someone cool in either the tech space or people space to learn something new. And it was my personal KPI and then extended that to my team and the amount of ideas and things that I learned along the way or just that space to disconnect mm. from work and think about um, new things or challenge how I was thinking about things was incredibly valuable. So start with customer, big wall of pain, vomit session where you can take some ideas from and then also um, thinking about um, meeting new people, reading new things and, and setting a personal KPI if you're a goal-driven person like myself. Yeah, absolutely love that. I think there's something in there for everybody, certainly for me. So I'll be squirreling those away for myself personally. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. That's um, What about that's you, wonderful. Ian? Is the company that you work at and the space that you're in, what are some of the things that you would recommend if someone wants to take away some things to do differently? What would you say? Yeah, um, I'll see what you did there. That's, uh, that's very good of you. <laughs> you put, should know the tactic. <laughs> put, put me on the spot. Um so I, I think that the, the big one for me, it comes down to, in many ways, it runs through everything that you've just said. It comes down to communication. Um, it's communicate with your people, communicate with your customers. It's communicate. I mean, in our world, we've got um, the customer is the candidate, given that we're a global um, recruitment business. Um, so if you're communicating with clarity and setting the right level of expectation, but allowing people space and time to think for that creativity to grow, um, there's there's nothing greater than being awarded that time and space to grow and communicate with, with, with clarity. You'd be amazed at what kind of things can occur. I also am a massive believer in this, this notion of cognitive diversity. So bring people from different walks of life to solve a problem that you're grappling with. Um, there's no reason why somebody in the payroll team can't actually help somebody in the sales team. There's no reason why somebody in sales can't help somebody in marketing and vice versa. And on it goes. 
And I think the more we encourage that cognitive diversity, um, you know, different people coming to help solve new problems or, or, or old problems, I think that is where you start to really build a culture and layers of culture to make it really tight and really fibrous um, that will just go on and supersede any one person because it will just be how you do things, which is what culture is all about. Um, it is that mm -hmm. kind of ambiguous notion of it's a feeling, it's a vibe, and that's the, the whole idea of this podcast series is it's a vibe, it's, it is a thing, it's, it's something that companies do. There isn't a playbook per se. It comes from people's experiences. And those experiences, to your point about meet new people that you wouldn't typically have engaged with, you deliberately, we deliberately went and did that. You're learning new things and you bring an element of that, even if it's a tiny 1%, um, into a new environment and how you apply that with different people and you share that knowledge, you're laying and layering different fibres of, of, of the culture that enable businesses to thrive. Um, so that would be my kind of, uh, my take on things for sure, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and I always find that people don't know where to start and the easiest way I've found to frame it is experiment with it, call it a pilot. And so then you have an excuse if it doesn't work out, that's cool. I was just experimenting. This is the lesson yeah. learned. We know that this doesn't work. Exactly. Um, well, it's, it's interesting that you say that, um, the kind of experimentation, um, because in the same um, Harvard Business Review article I read probably about two years ago, it said tolerance for failure is okay, but no tolerance for incompetence. So fail yeah. real quick. Uh, <laughs> I think I live by those principles maybe. <laughs> which, is, which is really interesting. Um, I think what I'd like to do is say thank you very, very much, Jen Mumford, for joining us in this conversation today. Um, I think it's been uh, really interesting. Um, I really, every time I have a conversation with you, I, I get something out of it. I feel like you always give your all. So I always feel like I, I've got a little bit of something and everybody will get a, certainly a piece of gold from this discussion. So I'm immensely grateful. Um, that you've oh, been so generous you. with your time. I, I really am. So um, what I'd like to do is say thank you very much. I will give you the rest of your day uh, to go about uh, doing all things Zip. Um, and thank you graciously um, once again on behalf of Talent. So um, what I'd like to say for everybody listening now is that um, thank you very much for joining us in this podcast. We hope that you've got some really interesting takeaways and insights and, you know, theories and things that you can just apply. Um, I certainly do encourage you to um, think about some of the things that Jennifer's been really generous in sharing with us today. And I think there's something in there for everybody. I've got one last thing to say. Try to have no more zero days. So it's making sure that every day you're doing something to be a little bit better. So no more zero days. Love that. Love that. Beautiful. Um, I'd really encourage you all to go back and take some of these things into your business. So um, if you've got any further questions or you'd like to know more, please get in touch with us via Talent's website at talentinternational.com or reach out and connect directly on LinkedIn.